This is just a trick, man. It really is. Dude, it's going to be back to rain and cold and 50 degrees. You're like, what happened to that one week? It'll be back in the end of August. False positive. All right. All right. Remember, you chose to come here today. Let's pray over this message. Father God, we love you. We praise you. We glorify you in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and that it's active and that it's sharper than a double-edged sword. God, we pray that you'd use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. God, we need your word to bring us in the right direction. So, Father, would you do that today? Would you let this be uh, just transformative? God, bring our minds where we need to bring them. uh, Bring our hearts where they need to bring them. Let it be to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 8, we're going to be in verses 18 through 22 this morning. And when Jesus had saw great multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. Then a certain scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. I think it'd be easy for you to agree with me this morning that most of us did not know how much something was going to cost us until it was in our possession. Marriage is one of these examples. You had no idea what it was going to cost you. I'm not even talking about money. A new job that you prayed for, that you got that job and you showed up and you were like, I have to do what? For how long? For how much? You prayed for an apartment or a house and then you realized the maintenance that it was going to take to be able to have that house or that apartment. You got a car, your first vehicle, you're so excited. You realize you have to do maintenance on that thing. You had no idea that gas costs money and insurance costs money and repairs cost money. And, and so I found out after many years, you even have to change the oil in your vehicle. Because nobody taught me that when I had my first vehicle. When I became a Christian, I didn't really know what it meant to be a Christian. I just knew that my life was not where it needed to be and that I was challenged with the gospel. And I said, I want to serve Jesus. I want to give my life to him. And it wasn't until after I'd give my life to Jesus that I realized, man, this is going to cost me a lot more than I expected. This thing's going to be a lot more difficult than I expected it to be. And there's been times in my life where I wanted to turn back. I wanted to just give up the Jesus life. And, and I have given it up in my mind and heart and in actions over the years because I chose to follow myself instead of following Jesus. But Jesus never desired that for us at all. The proposition of Jesus has always been, leave everything, follow me. Leave everything, follow me. And so in this story, what we see is we see Jesus talking to a scribe and a, another one of his disciples. And it's really kind of giving this example of what it looks like to be a person that's a fully submitted, committed, devoted follower of Jesus Christ. What's sad is in this day and age, we actually shouldn't have to have clarifiers. Yeah. We shouldn't have to be like, well, they're a hardcore Christian. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're a really zealous Christian. They take their faith serious. They're one of them Bible Christians. Yeah. One of them church-going Christians. Yeah. One of those holier-than-thou kind of Christians. Can we just say they're a Christian? Either you're a Christian or you're not. And so Jesus goes through the scriptures and and we're going to walk through it together. 
The end of the scripture is let the dead bury their own dead. But at the beginning of the scripture, I think Jesus is saying, let the dead bury their own dead. You've got to learn to endure if you're going to be a Christian. Verse 19, that a certain scribe came to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Now in this story, what's happening is if you remember, Matthew's written to a Jewish audience. And so uh, the scriptures are always going to point to the Messiahship of Jesus, but also Jesus is talking to Jewish people during the time. So he's also going to constantly be coming back to this Messiahship, this idea of kingship, this idea of like, he's the chosen one. And so in this talk that Jesus is having with this scribe, who's a Jew, he's letting him know the tangible realities of what it's like for him as the son of man, and in turn, what it's going to be like for him. Now, this term son of man is this idea that Jesus is saying, I am, I am with you in this. I am, I am just much you uh, as anybody else. And so when you call me the son of man, I am identifying with your humanity. I'm not, I'm not here and you're here. I'm here with you. I am a son of man. I am a human just like you. And so what he is talking about with this scribe is this idea of I'm the son of man and, and, and I'm the son of God at the same time. And you look at like the foxes have a place to go and the birds have a place to go, but I'm the son of man and I ain't got nowhere to go. I don't get a hole and I don't get a nest. I don't get anything. Even though I have the title of the son of God, even though I have the title of the son of man, things are not good for me on this earth as the son of man. So if you're going to follow me as the son of man, you've got to have an expectation that it ain't going to be that great for you either. Because if the son of man doesn't have a nest and the son of man doesn't get a hole, why do you think if you're going to follow him that somehow you're going to have your life better than how I had it? Being the son of man isn't glorious. I heard a commentator describe it this way. It says, uh, it, it was accordingly with these ideas attached to it, involving at once fellowship with the lowest heirs of our humanity, yet also participation in the eternal glory of the highest. And that, that idea of the son of man is this uh, idea that Jesus doesn't come to us or anyone and say, you know, I'm here, get with me. He's more like, I'm there with you and whatever you're going through. I'm with you as you're going through stuff. I'm with you as you're experiencing pain. I'm with you as you are going through suffering. And so if you're going to follow me and I'm suffering, you cannot have this expectation that somehow you're going to escape suffering just because you choose to follow the son of man. And so this scribe comes to Jesus and says, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus is saying, but will you, will you? Because if you're deciding to follow me, I got to let you know it's it's not going to be that easy. Are you going to follow the life of endurance? Are you going to turn away just because things get uncomfortable? Are you going to turn away just because things aren't, aren't what they seemed? Are you going to turn away because if you're following me, it ain't going to be easy? That's why Jesus said in John thirteen thirty three, uh, thirteen uh, John sixteen thirty three, these things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. But in the world, you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I, just, I love how the Bible still applies for today. In this world, the world hasn't changed. In this world, you will have tribulation. But have no fear. I have overcome the world. 
You're going to have peace if you remain in me. See, Jesus even told his disciples 2,000 years ago, you're going to have tribulation in this life. Things are not going to be easy in this life. But don't worry about that. I'm going to take care of you. Have good cheer. Have good cheer. Take care of it because I'm going to take care of you. It's not going to be a cakewalk. It's not going to be easy. But you can have good cheer. Amen. Amen. Verse uh, 923 in Luke, he says, then he said to all of them, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Does that sound like a party you want to be invited to? Hey, we're handing out crosses every day. You're going to pick it up. You're going to carry it. No one wants to do that. I know in my own life, I want to experience pleasure and avoid pain at every single cost. All of us do. That's why we drive instead of walk. That's why we use washing machines instead of by hand and dishwasher instead of washing dishes. We cook things over a stove and not over a fire. You're like, these are all the reasons because we don't like pain. And so the proposition of Jesus is, hey, sign up to pick up your cross daily. You're going to love it, man. It's awesome. Best life ever. Take some grit to follow Jesus. And if you don't have it, man, you better get it quick. You better get you some grit. Just go down and buy you some sandpaper at Home Depot and start rubbing it on your arm. It's funny. I talk about donuts and burritos and people go buy them and I talk about sandpaper. I don't see nobody at Home Depot rubbing their arm being like, I'm getting ready, Pastor. I'm getting, don't do that. But you know what I mean? I'll tell you, one of the biggest disservices that preachers have done to Christianity is constantly telling people about love. Constantly. Oh, God loves you and loves you right where you're at and, and, and you're his prized possession and, and, and your life's going to have so much peace. Just come to Jesus. Yeah. You're going to have peace. Yeah. Your life's going to be so much better. You're going to feel the God size yeah. hole in your heart yeah. and everything's going to be great in your life. And if you really came to Jesus and then all of a sudden things happen in your life and you're like, I don't think this is what I signed up for. I was looking for that easier life. I was looking for that easier path. Now, again, I'm not saying God does love you and I love you. For God so loved the world. Yes, 100%. But this is the same Jesus that said you're going to have tribulation. The same Jesus said count the cost. The Jesus that when he spoke to people, and you can look in the parables, uh, the things that he spoke, you also see the way they interacted with individuals. Many times he talked to individuals, and then they said, this is what it's going to cost you. Make a decision. And they turned around and said, man, I'm not going to follow this Jesus anymore. And they went away sorrowful. They went away sorrowful. They didn't go away, oh, yay, I'm loved. They walked away and were like, man, that's a high bar. Man, I don't think I want to do that. I don't want to live that life. Many times after Jesus would do a teaching, it said many departed from him. They just left him and they said, man, we're not following this guy anymore because what he is saying is far too much for us to be able to handle. That's why I think many people fall away and don't come back. I think that's why many people uh, uh, leave the life of Jesus because they're, they're not really told what it means to follow Jesus. Then their life is hard and they expect it's going to be easier and actually becomes harder. And then they get upset about it. Friend, I've seen so many people walk away from Jesus since yeah. I've been living this Christian life. Yeah. Kids in youth group and kids in college and people at this church where they're just like, man, I, I want nothing to do with that. I don't, I don't want that God life at all. But I'll tell you one thing, man. I'm okay with standing before God with people come to this church one Sunday and never coming back and telling them the truth of what the Bible teaches. I'm fine with it. I, 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 what I don't want is I don't want to send you up with some false positive and be like, hey man, there's going to be cotton candy and hot dogs every single day. You're going to love it. 
Now listen, I love the God life. I wouldn't want to live any other life. I love living for Jesus and I love what it costs me. And I love the benefits that I get of following him. And it's worth it, man. It's cosmically worth it. But I'm, but I'm not going to set this expectation of being like, Hey man, this is, this is an easy life because it's just not, it's not an easy life at all. This Christian life takes endurance. If you're really trying to live for Jesus, if you're sitting here this morning, like, well, I'm a Christian. Don't seem like my life's that hard. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Whose team you on, bro? Whose team you on? Because if you got your eyes open and you're watching and paying attention, man, the battle is on. I've never, I've never experienced Christianity like I have in the last eighteen months, ever. And and it's not as bad as it's going to get. It's just worse than I've ever seen. It's still, I mean, it's still not that bad, but it's not going to get any better. But back in the way. Do you realize that we are closer to 2050 than we are to 1990? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, let it go. It's my decade and I ain't leaving. Dude, if I would have known how good the 80s and 90s were, I would have drunk it in a whole lot more. But Christianity in the 90s, man, we were like, you know, overheads and youth group trips and you know what I mean? It was like... The biggest thing where, you know, are kids going to you know, do whatever? Now it's just like this right. full-on frontal assault against Christianity. We're yeah. having to defend yeah. just the basics of Christianity. It wasn't yeah. like that back in the 90s. Right. And it's not going to get better. It's just not. I've read the end of the book. So we've got to have this uh, mindset of Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Yes, you got to understand the love of God because you can't crucify the flesh with understanding that. But you got to die to yourself daily. Amen. Have you embraced the suck of following Jesus? Some of you guys don't know that term. It's a military term. Embrace the suck. And what that means is things are not good. They suck. They're no good. And that means... You've got to just continue to do what you're doing no matter what. And I'll give you an example. Like uh, in, in the military, we would do things like a, a road march. Like, and they never just say like we're going for a walk. It's kind of like, like we're doing a forced road march. That's what they literally call it that. And a forced road march means you put on a 75-pound ruck. And then you go and you march on the side of the road with your weapons for however many miles. They never tell you how long. It could be anywhere from 5 miles to 25 miles. You just go until it's done, and they're like, all right, you're done. And it's no good, man. It's no good at all. And so you just sit there the whole entire time. You have two choices. Either you can embrace it or you can fight it, right? Now, for me, like uh, uh, Aaron Quinones, you guys know, he, he was in the military. Him and I, we, we differ in our, si- in our sizes. We're just a little bit different. Some people think we're twins, but we're not. <laughs> He was in the, he was in the Marine Corps, which is like, when you stack rank, like how hard things are, yeah. I guarantee you, like compared to me being in the army is like the difference between the air force and the army. It's just like world to world, you know, I mean, you always got to throw a little jab where you can. But what's interesting is that I know that him and I, while we weren't together, we went on the same experiences in the suck and it didn't matter our size difference. He had the same size ruck that I had. He just had to work twice as hard that I had to work just to keep up 
Because God gave me long legs and gave him uh, some just a little bit shorter. <laughs> but he had a choice of like, I'm either going to embrace this or I'm going to find an excuse of why I can't get through this. Yeah, I'm be walking down the road and be like, well, I'm not like him. It'd be a whole lot easier if I was just that guy. His, 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 his pack is 75 pounds. That's only a third of his weight. That's, that's double my weight. <laughs> you know what I mean? But people get this idea of like somehow that in Christianity that it's just going to be a cakewalk and you can walk along, you compare yourself to other people and say, well, I wasn't given their giftings. I wasn't, I wasn't done what they did and I didn't have what they have. So I don't have to do what they do. No, no, no. That's not the way that it works. You are in a forced, forced roadmark for Jesus. Like get your pack on, get going. We're going, embrace it. It'll end one day, whether or not you want to be on the march or not, just embrace it. It's like Pastor Butcher said years ago, talking about that movie, Black Hawk Down. He said, he said, man, I can't drive. I'm shot. And he looks at him and goes, man, we're all shot. Just keep driving. <laughs> quit, quit having this mindset. Like, well, someone else doesn't have it as bad as me. Man, just because I don't tell you what's going on in my heart and mind doesn't mean you don't know what's going on inside of me. Just embrace it, man. Just embrace it. You're just in a horrible situation. Just fight it. Quit complaining. Romans 5, 3, and not only that, we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. You cannot get perseverance without going through tribulation. So if you're going through something, you should be like, whoop, man, I'm getting some perseverance out of this one. It'd be great. And how are things? I am developing perseverance. Loving it. Never been better than it is now embracing it be pleased man you're enduring be excited about it and suffering you know in this day and age suffering doesn't look like bible suffering but uh, the the day and age of suffering today is standing around the water cooler and everybody's watching a godless show and everybody's laughing and you're just like drinking your water like i didn't watch that show because i want to go to heaven and that show is trash you feel left out and then everybody's going out on friday night after work to you know Tie one on, you're like, I'm going to go home either by yourself or with your spouse. But what? You're so square. And you're like, square pegs go to heaven. <laughs> that's, that's just what suffering is. People call you, people call you funny names and they think that you're outdated and yeah. they don't invite you to things. Yeah. They make fun of you. Yeah. And then you, you know, the, the floggings aren't here yet. They're coming, but if you can't even handle someone talking bad about you, what are you going to do when they put you on your knees with a thing like Jesus or no, live or die? What are you going to say? Sign up to die. You get worldly loneliness. You got to make choices about your money and your time and your family and your activities. Just endure, man. Just embrace it. Colossians 1.11, strengthen with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. Jesus didn't have anywhere to lay his head and you're worried about whether or not people like you. They already don't like you. At least have them not like you for Jesus. 1 Peter 4.12, beloved, do not think it's strange concerning the fiery trial which is trying to try you as though something strange has happened to you. When you see yourself going through something like, oh, this is what I read about in the Bible. It's what I expected. 
I knew this was going to happen because I read my Bible. I know what, what's going to happen to me. Ask yourself this question. Is there anything in your faith you're willing to die for? Is there anything? Anything that you'd like, you want, man, kill me before that thing happens to my faith. And if there's nothing, you should be concerned. There's got to be something. There's got to be something that you're like, you know what? I will, I will do this, but I will not do that. You're going to have to kill me before you get me to do that. And if there's nothing in your faith that you're willing to die for, take an inventory and ask yourself why. Because that, that's, that's the history of our faith, man. We're, we're here on the backs of many people that were willing to die for what we believe. Now people don't just want to be inconvenienced. Like, well, you know, I don't think he'd ask us to do that. Let, let me, let me show you a little bit about this scripture. Let's see. It's in second Corinthians. I don't know if they, did they update the scriptures? Cause I got it wrong. The first one, of course, cause it takes a team of people to make me look good. All right. So <laughs> everybody's like, amen. Uh, second Corinthians 11 talking about Paul. Okay. There's Paul from the Bible. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. Labor's more abundant and stripes above measure. In prisons more frequently and deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep in journeys often in perils of waters. In perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen. In perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness, in toil, in sleeplessness, often in hunger and thirst, in fastings, often in cold and nakedness, besides the other things which come upon me daily. My deep concern for all the churches, my deep concern for all the churches, who's weak and I'm not weak. Who's made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation. If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. The Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me in Philippians 4.13. It's not a high school sports verse, man. It wasn't made just so high schoolers can say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Fast pitch softball. You know, uh, Wednesday night, if you didn't hear it, man, you got to hear Ethan's word from Wednesday night, man. It's transformative, man. It's beautiful. Talks about receiving an earthly promise versus a heavenly promise. He just pulls apart Ephesians, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 11. It talks a lot about suffering. You took a lot of my action from Wednesday. I had to rewrite my sermon, Ethan. But do you know how you get through it? Do you know how you get through uh, tribulation? The scriptures. They get you and they encourage you. So you read something about Paul going through it and you're like, gosh, man, maybe things in my life aren't that bad. Right? right? I, I, we have a joke around our house where we're like, well, you can tell Paul about it when you get to heaven. <laughs> uh, Paul, you don't understand. I was in traffic. My AC was broke and it was hot. <laughs> Stuck on one six. There, there. Like, but really, like you have to, you play these games in mind because it just kind of reminds you. It's like as bad as it is for us right now, none of us have experienced what Paul's going through. So we take encouragement from that and be like, yo, man, it's bad. It ain't great, but it ain't that bad yet. But get some grit now. Build some endurance with your walk with Jesus now, man. Let's go. We will get there together. 
See, what Jesus says, he says, let the dead bury their own dead, have the right priorities. Verse 21, that another one of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Now this, this part of the scripture shows where the disciples' priorities are at. The disciple says, I'll follow you, but there's something important that I need to do first. Now, now if, if you don't, if you don't catch this, let me put it in words that you will understand. Because many of you are like, well, I haven't stood before Jesus and said I need to bury my father. It, it, it's, it's a word, the, the heart condition is one that says, Jesus, let me first get married and then I'll go and follow you. Jesus, let me get my job squared away and then I'll come and follow you. Jesus, let me get my living situation squared away and then I'll follow you. Jesus, let me get my kids squared away and then I'll follow you. Let me work on my yard and my vacation and my fun. All these other things, and then I'll follow you, but I just got to take care of this first. Let me bury my father. Jesus says in Luke 12, 34, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, people want the say they want the Jesus life, but they don't want to follow him. They want to go bury their father first. Why? Because people love their families more than they love Jesus. Because people want people to like them, and they don't want to live counterculturally. They want to, they want, they want to do the things that the world does and, and just sprinkle a little bit of Jesus on it and make them feel good when they go to bed at night. Now, I got a movie reference I'm going to share with you this morning and it is from the early eighties. Okay. Why? Because all the new movies are not good. They're just not like, I want to be entertained. I don't want to be preached to about global warming. You know what I mean? Just blow something up and show me a guy with some muscles, you know, you know, give me a good eighties movie, you know, uh, some of you guys may have heard of this actor before. His name is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Have you guys heard of this guy before? Uh, some of the kids are like, who's this? I met him once when I was a kid, actually, when I was five years old. Uh, anyway, it was a different story. He was looking at my muscles. And so, um, I was watching this, uh, movie called pumping iron and pumping iron is a documentary about how we went to go win the Mr. Olympia. If you ever want to really feel bad about your outward appearance, watch this movie. Cause these guys are like, they just racked and stacked. <clears throat> and so there's part of the movie where he's like an eight time Mr. Olympia, which is the world championship of bodybuilding. And, and dude, he looked amazing in this movie. And there's part of the movie where he talks about how he was moving towards his final, uh, the, the final part of the competition and he was getting his shape and he's from Austria and his dad died and his mom called and said, Hey, I need you to come back to Austria because your dad died and we're going to have a funeral. And he said, I'm not going. She's like, what? And he's like, yeah, I'm in the middle of this championship and I've got to, if I leave, it's going to throw me off. I'm here to win. And she said, but your dad died. He said, yeah, it's to be dead. And when I get there, it'll be fine. After I'm done with the championship, I'll go and do that. Now in a worldly sense, he was like, man, that's kind of worldly. And it, and it probably is. But in, but in a biblical sense, it, it goes in line with the, with what Jesus says of like, man, what, but what are your priorities? Do you want to win the championship? Because I'll tell you, man, if, if you're, listen, if you can win anything like a championship and make a ton of money, be able to tithe on it, don't come to my funeral. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll be fine. Go play in that championship game. Don't, don't, if you're an NFL player and someone's like, well, Pastor Matt would have wanted me to just, no, like go and win the game. It'll be fine. Okay. It's not a big deal. I'm not that important. Now, I always have to clarify this, though. Like, funerals aren't bad. I, like, don't walk out of this way. Well, pastor said we don't have funerals. Let the dead... Be-. No. I, mean, I don't think Jesus is saying that either, right? But Jesus is saying, man, where's your priorities? 
Did God mean it when he said, you shall have no other gods before me? Did he mean it when he said that? People elevate their family above Christ. And you know how we justify it? We say, well, my kids need to be loved. They need to know that they are loved. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 37, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Is that scripture true? Did Jesus mean it when he said it? See, my, my kids need to learn that idolatry will keep them out of heaven and sports will not get them in. And, and, and we raised our kids to love the Lord, man. And we had, we had hard nose, hard nose. You're not doing something that keeps you out of church on Sunday. We're just not going to do that, man. We said, well, you know, my kids aren't going to like me. My kids love me, man. They love me. They respect me. And they realize the value of it now that they're adults. It's not going to do it, man. We, we, we keep our priorities serving God. We, serving God to us is not an addition. It is the equation. We plug in Jesus and see where we're going to go with him. We don't add him to. He is the equation. And our whole entire life, we always say, man, we're Christians. We're not going to do that. We're just not going to be a part of that. And what's hard, man, and, and, and parents, I will let you know, is that it is a lie to believe that if your kids are raised in church, they're going to learn to hate God. Yeah. Yeah. You say, well, you know, I want them to make their own decision and, and, I, and I'm just going to, you know, it, it'll be good for them. No, man, it's not. No. When they are young, you, you, you make going to church be a good thing. Yeah. When they are young, you make serving God a good thing. You, you get excited about serving God. Yeah. One of the greatest things that me and Crystal learned from the Ongs years ago, because they got kids that love Jesus. We said, well, how do you, how do you get your kids to love Jesus? They said, you bring them along with what you're doing. Yeah. Wherever you're going to ministry, you're like, man, this is what we're doing today. Why? Because these people need food. These people need our help. These people need marriage help. And so we're going to do that today. That's what we're doing because Jesus is worth it. We get excited about going to church. We get excited to be in, being together in the house of the Lord. Jesus said, Matthew six thirty three, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Is Jesus your number one priority? Does he guide your life? Do you want to serve him only and nobody else? And I get it, man. We live in the Pacific Northwest. And I've said this to you guys before. I'm not complaining about living in the PNW anymore. I'm just not. I understand that there's other places within the nation right now that that are more affirming of Christian values. And we live in this mindset like, oh man, if I just lived here, then things would be better and I wouldn't have to deal with this. Here is going there and eventually it's all going to be everywhere. There's no escaping it, man. There's no escaping where we're at as a nation. Why? Because the bulk of people do not believe in the Bible. They do not follow Jesus. We're the outlier, man. And there's people here that need Jesus. There's people here that need each other. I need you. I need you as family. I need you as friends. I need you to be in this with me, this idea of like, man, we are on mission for Jesus in the Pacific Northwest. And what happens if us and all the great churches just leave? Then it just becomes a wasteland of a bunch of people. Jesus wouldn't, Jesus would just turn his back on a whole city. No way, man. Got to stay there and love those people. He actually would in some scriptures. I need to clarify that. Woe to you, Tyre and Sidon. Like I, he cast woes on him, but he hasn't told us to shake our dust off the feet of Auburn yet. So we're still here. Amen. Galatians 5, 24. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. 
and I get it, man. We all have passions and desires inside of us that we want to fulfill, but we just can't. We, we have to say, you know what, man? My passion and desire has to be for Jesus because the flesh constantly wars against the things of God and we have to fight it. We, we have to fight laziness. We have to fight uh, immorality. We have, to, we have to fight comfort. We, we have to crucify it. You know, <clears throat> many times people come to me and they'll say, uh, you know, I want to accomplish this. And then we peel back the onion of their life and we're like, you know what, man? I don't think you want to accomplish that. What I think it's clear is that you want to sit on the couch and either play video games or watch movies or play on the internet and magically have this thing happen that you said you want to have happen. Yeah. You say this, yeah. but your intentions are this. Yeah. Yeah. Start doing something to make yeah. something happen. Because uh, really when it comes to following God, it's the, it's no different way. Comfort is the uh, is the uh, keeps us from following Christ so much. Because yeah. you just... Just want to be comfortable, man. The Bible says in Mark eight thirty six, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Anyone can live for the world. It's easy. It's easy, man. Just turn on your television and do whatever they tell you to say. You know, I, I shared this on my Facebook this week. There was a uh, there, uh, there was an expose about CNN, uh, and if you haven't seen, it, look it up on YouTube before they ban it. Um, uh, in this video, they're, they're, uh, they're coyly recording a, a CNN producer, and the CNN producer is talking about how they use graphics and news stories to manipulate individuals to feel a certain way to keep them uh, on TV. And he says it very, very clearly. He says, good news doesn't keep people watching TV. And they were talking about even like the coronavirus numbers and how they kept them on the screen because it made people afraid and kept them keep watching TV because they're being manipulated by the news. They were, I mean, it's, a, and, and I'll give you an example. Trump was great for ratings and now they don't have anything. Now Trump is gone. So they don't have anything to make people angry and to get them all bent out of shape and just pay attention all the Trump stuff is gone because that, that, that product has sold. It's no longer, so now they have to sell you something else. They have to sell you some other measure of rage to keep you watching the TV, to keep you to feel a certain way. Do not play their games, man. Don't do it. Do not be their tool at all. It's just manipulation, man. I get off. That wasn't in my notes. I'm getting back. If you want to follow the priorities of Jesus, you look at the dead bodies of your life and you ask Jesus, do you want me to bury these? I will. I will follow you. And you're going to lose worldly relationships because of following Jesus. You just can't be mad about it. You just have to be like, man, that's just the way that it is. It's why God gives us the church. Because in the church, then we have those relationships. I've lost high school friends and college friends and work friends and all these other people because they don't want to follow Jesus. But I gained a whole, a whole lot more within the house of God. So we come together and we encourage one another. And we love one another. You know, we don't even need what the world has anyway. How many, how many of y'all remember the 70s and the 80s? And back in the 70s and 80s, man, it was a banger. It was so good back then. Remember back in the 80s when people just show up at your house on a Saturday unannounced because they didn't have a cell phone just because they were in the neighborhood? And then you'd pull out your cigarette ashtray and let them come into your house and just start smoking their cigarettes in your living room. Do you guys remember that? Everybody smoked back in the 80s, man. Kids used to make ashtrays for their parents in school. It didn't even, ma- it didn't even matter if your parents smoked or not. You'd just be making ashtrays. Dad, I made you an ashtray. 
But back then, like we didn't have all these distractions. We just, we just got together. We liked being together, but now we're all stuck on our phones arguing with people we don't like anyway about stuff that doesn't matter that we can't change. Instead of just getting together and be like, hey man, you want to make some bologna sandwiches and be together? Play lawn darts? That's when you're, you're a gangster if you played lawn darts. Remember the metal spinning thing that you just get going at the thing, you get fly off, be so hot, dirt in your teeth. Metal slides, those are the good old days, man. Plastic slides, come on now. Psalm 90 verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Friend, we only have so many days on this earth. And I would rather spend them in the things of God. I want to spend them. I love the God life. The God life's the best life. Many of you, many of you have been here for a while know that uh, my family and I take a vacation every two years. We go for a month every two years. It's like a mini sabbatical to keep me sane. And and it's it's just a we like to go on a road trip and go spend time together. And so we'll do it again this summer because we do it on even years. But last year it didn't happen because of COVID. And so we're doing it this year, and it's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. I'm talking to my neighbor this week, and he's like, oh, you're going on a road trip? I'm like, yeah. He's like, tell me where you're going. So I'm telling him the weaving path, the weaving path that we're going. And then I'm like, yes, yeah, so we're going this, 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 this. I said, then I got a church people, friends that we're going to meet that used to attend our church. We're going to stay with them. We're going to see them. Then I'm go to this church, and I'm going to preach. And then we got some more church friends that we're going to see that moved away, and we're going to stay with them. I'll go to this other church, and I'm going to preach, and we're going to do that. There's some other church people that we're going to meet. And he's like, man, it sounds like you're working on your vacation. I was like, man, this ain't work. This is my life, son. So this is what I do. Preaching every Sunday while I'm on vacation is just what I do. Because I got pastor friends. And you show up at your pastor friends and he wants a Sunday off. I'm like, yeah, dude, I'll preach. It'd be fantastic. You know, the thing is, if, if you watch, I'll preach the same sermon the whole time. By week four, it's on fire. I don't even... I don't even need the notes, man. Like, I know this thing backwards and forwards. So if you have any recommendations from the past year that you think I should preach, I'm always open for it. Second Corinthians 5.15, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again should no longer live for themselves. Here's the third part. Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead, forsake all. Verse 22, but Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Friends, Jesus was harsh. He drew lines in the sand. He asked people, what side are you on? And what are you going to do? And how are you going to live? And again, many times people would hear teaching of Jesus and they would turn away because it cost too much and it demanded too much of them. And so they said they no longer wanted to listen to him talk anymore. And what he's asking this young disciples, he says, are you going to follow me or your desires? Are you going to follow my plans? Are you going to do what I want for you in this life? Or are you going to live to yourself? John 12, 25, he who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And he tells his followers, hate your life. Love me. Don't put all your hope in this world. Don't put your hope in your job or your 401k or the government or, or anything else. Put your hope in me. 
Luke 14, 26, it says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And I've used that scripture many times. And and I don't think that Jesus wants us to hate our family, but he does want us to have a mindset that says, I'm willing to leave everything and everyone to follow you. Some people can't even leave a bad friendship for Jesus. I've known them for so many years. Yeah, and they haven't changed. They keep pulling you to sin. Just move on. I want the heart of the psalmist. Who, who am, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon the earth that I desire besides you. Who do we desire? Who do we want in this life? Have we turned our back on everything? Can you sing the song, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, I still will follow. I like Philippians 3, 8. It says, yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I might gain Christ. And if you've given your life to Christ, man, you know exactly what I'm saying. It's not always easy, but he is worth it. Amen. Amen. So what does it mean to you, friend? Are you willing to forsake all for your, for your Jesus? Now I'm going to, I'm going to kick over some carts this morning. If it hurts, good. Cause this is what scripture is supposed to do. Yeah. Are you willing to give up your family for Jesus? Are you willing to give up your national identity? Are you willing to give up your racial identity? Are you willing to give up your money and your job and your possessions, your wants, your desires, those dream vacations and the worldly acceptance, the experiencing of things of the world to say, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus. I'll give, I'll give you an example, man. Like I'm a veteran. I love America and I love being American. But like when you stack rank, like between Jesus and America, America's a far away. I got so many things between Jesus and America. So, well, you know, uh, if they did this thing to my flag and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, man, I respect the flag and I care about the flag and all those other things. But at the end of the day, it ain't Jesus. I care about being a Christian more than I care about being an American. I care more about being a Christian than I care about being a white male. Man, can we just intermingle and make everybody brown and just be done with it? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't care. Like, it's just, this is my earth suit. I didn't choose it and I'm, I'm not, I'm not connected to it. I'm, I want, I'm, I want my new glorified body, man. I want to live for eternity with him. Whatever you want from me, Jesus, you can have. Second Corinthians 4.10, always carrying around in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. If you die to yourself daily, you have less demands because it's not about you. Yeah. It's about others. God will take care of the details. He'll take care of you and take care of the needs of your life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I've seen a lot of half-hearted followers of Jesus in my life and they struggle needlessly. I just really do. Give me a few more minutes. Indulge me. I'm in a talkative mood this morning. Is that okay? You guys still with me? Somebody in the back's like, no. (laughs) Many of you know I played football when I was in high school. And um, I played football for four years. 
And uh, I mean, you can see my size, dude. I'm a big guy, like I just am. And, and I didn't choose it. I didn't, I didn't choose this life, it chose me. And, and um, but frankly, like I wasn't good at it. I just wasn't. And I'll tell you, I'm gonna be honest, just between you and me and everybody's watching and everybody who watches this recording. You know what I loved about football? I loved Fridays at school. I, I loved wearing my football jersey, my cleats, in on Friday, walking in like, sup, man, Friday night game. About to roll on Ingram. Because girls like guys in a football jersey, right? You're kind of part of the team, and you're hanging out, and you've got your name on your back. You feel like a superstar. You know what I didn't like about football? Playing football. <laughs> I just didn't. Oh, it's just hot and you get yelled at. It makes my head hurt. You get dirty and muddy and people make fun of you. I loved wearing the jersey at school on Friday. I, I even didn't even mind on Friday when everybody else was in the game and I'm just hanging out with the crowd on the sidelines like, I'm on the team. <laughs> And then when you're walking out of the tunnel to get on the bus and the cheerleaders are clapping like, we did it, we did it. Never even stepped on the field. There's a sermon in there somewhere. Somewhere, we'll find it one day. One scripture and one quote and then we'll get out of here. Galatians 6.14, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Man, I don't need nothing. Just give me Jesus, man. Just Jesus. And if if this past season hasn't taught you anything, man, you do not need anything but Jesus. Here's the last quote, and then we'll get out of here. It's by this man named Sam Albury, and he's a British pastor. And I'm going to read it slowly because I want you to remember it. Everything will be online so you can read the notes afterwards. And this is what uh, Pastor Sam said. He said, every Christian is called to costly sacrifice. Denying yourself does not mean tweaking your behavior here and there. It is saying no to your deepest sense of who you are for the sake of Christ. To take up a cross is to declare your life as you have known it, forfeit. It's laying down your life for the very reason that your life, it turns out, is not yours at all. It belongs to Jesus. He made it. And through his death, he has bought it. The gospel demands everything of all of us. If someone thinks the gospel has somehow slotted into their life quite easily without causing any major adjustments to their lifestyle or aspirations it's likely that they have not really started following Jesus at all. And just as the cost is the same for all of us, so too are all the blessings. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? If you're here this morning, you're not a Christian. We'd like to invite you to become one. It's quite easy if you're a Christian or you are not. If you've given your life to Jesus or you haven't, If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never said, Lord, I want to live for you, no one else. If you've never been forgiven of your sins, today is your day. 
And so if you'd like to make that decision for the very first time, we'd like to pray with you. We'd like to welcome you into the family of God. And if you've never made that decision before, if you've never said, that's me, I want to live for Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Raise your hand right now and someone's going to pray with you. Is there anybody that needs to make that decision for the first time? Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. If you need to rededicate your life, you've been far from God. You say, Pastor, I've been so far from Him. I just need to come back. I want to pray for you as well. So anybody that needs to come back to Jesus, dedicate your life. Thank you, Lord. Now, I don't know what God spoke to you today. Just let him speak. Let it be from him. Let the dead bury their own dead. Father, we give our hearts to you this morning. We give you our lives. Father, we submit to your lordship. We submit to your grace and mercy. Father, we pray that we would live lives pleasing you because of what you've done for us. Praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.